Morning family, it's good to be with you. My name is Eddie, I'm the lead pastor of this congregation, and uh, it's a pleasure to get to spend some time with you. Before we get into the Word, I have a few other things that I want to mention. First of all, we have our Lead Well Fall 2021 or 2020-21 year that's that we're opening up applications for so that you can get equipped to be a leader. If you don't know what LeadWell is, it's one of our programs that we we uh, put together to train leaders uh, in theological, biblical, and ministerial uh, giftings. So it's an opportunity for you to get trained and equipped to be a better leader, whether it's in lay leadership or actually this is one of the prerequisites for anyone who wants to serve on staff or uh, as, as a, uh, an elder. Um, so it's a really good program, and we have two informational sessions that you can take part in. They will be online, and you can register for these by going to gracecovste.eventbrite.com. The two are on June 14th and July 12th. It's going to be a good moment. So I would encourage you to take part in that. Secondly, I want to remind everyone again, stay connected. Get in a small group. If you're not in a small group, I want to encourage you. This is the easiest time to be a part of a small group. I recognize that that normally, and and maybe to some degree now as as we're ramping back up, your schedule is hectic and and it can be difficult. But this is uh, something that we should all make a priority for. I I know I'm, I'm part of a small group. Uh, actually, I'm part of a couple, but but uh, I would encourage you to be part of a small group to to do life with one another, to to share the burdens of others, to to learn to love others in the context of this community life. It's really important. Um, and then finally, uh, in in light of of all the things that are going on in our nation, uh, we don't I don't want to gloss over it or or leave it behind. Uh, but Grace Covenant Church Chantilly. Is, is having a panel discussion today. And I would encourage you, uh, you know, after you've spent time here, go ahead and, and view that panel. And, and let's continue this conversation. Um, there are things that God is dredging up that he's, he's doing in our nation that we want to we support and be a part of. We, we care about justice uh, for all our brothers and sisters, and that means especially for our African-American brothers and sisters who are experiencing injustice. And, and we don't want this to be a a moment that we had last, last Sunday that we then forget about. But this is something that, that shapes who we are as a people. I know that uh, for me, I grew up, uh, my mom's Korean, my dad's uh, a white uh, American, and, and I grew up going between white church and, and occasionally Korean church and uh, didn't really fit in either location. And, and it was interesting going from that experience, uh, meeting my wife in college and us deciding to move up here and be a part of Grace Covenant Church. At that time, we were, we were all together at Dominion High School, uh, but we are a, a multicultural people, and, and there were, it was a new experience for me, but uh, this is my home, and this is hopefully your home as well, and we are a people who are made up of, of peoples. And, and so part of our pursuit of unity in the body, part of our pursuit of, of who uh, we see God making us to be as a people is, is really that we want to pursue, and, and all, all Christians should pursue, the good and the, and the justice of our beloved brothers and sisters. So all that to say, check out the, the discussion, the, the panel that we had, and we'll continue this conversation. We'll continue to talk about how we can be um, salt and light in our community, not just to, to preach the gospel of Jesus who saves, but Jesus who saves and reconciles. All right. Well, we, 
as, I, as I've briefly touched on, we are in a unique moment in time. We, we're in the middle of a, of, of a pandemic um, that has really wreaked havoc on our community. We, we're also in the middle, the last three or so weeks have, have dredged up a great deal of things that have really kind of been under the surface to some degree for some of us. And for others of us, we're realizing how little awareness we had of it when it, came, when it comes to uh, racial uh, tensions and, and, and difficulty. And we're living in this moment of, of stormy weather. Um, and and that, that's over and above all the other things that we have already been dealing with on a day-to-day basis, whether it's just difficulties at work, relational difficulties, family issues, um, personal problems, all of these things that are, that are happening. And I think that, that if we recognize that God is sovereign, that he is in control of all things, that he, he oversees all things, then it's appropriate for us to ask two questions in this moment. What is God doing and how should we respond? In this moment where, where chaos seems to be uh, happening, where we're, we're, we're having things brought up that, that have been pressed down for a long period of time, where, where our health is being challenged, where unity is being challenged, where um, good things are happening, but, but a lot of challenging things are happening, what is God doing and how should we respond? If you will open up your Bibles with me, we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. One day, he, talking about Jesus, got into the boat, into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. And there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is it that he commands even winds and water? And they obey him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you love us, and we thank you that you've given us your word which directs us. And God, we thank you that, that you have something to say to us through the storm, that you have something to say to us and, and to show us in the middle of the turmoil and the tumultuous circumstances we find ourselves in. God, I pray that we would be able to see your goodness to see your, your strength and your power, not just when things are going well for us, not then when, just when things are, are simple for us, but, but when, when things are, are out of our control, when things appear to be chaotic, when things appear to be even um, endangering our lives, that, that in that moment you are not absent, but you are present. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> So, I want to talk about the plan, the storm, and the response. The plan, the storm, and the response. There was a plan that Jesus has at the outset of this little, this little story. It says that one day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. Now, this is uh, the Sea of Galilee, also known uh, in, in, especially in, well, I think only in, 
um, Luke chapter 5, verse 1, as the lake of uh, Gennesaret. Um, th- this has been named a number of different things, but this is the Sea of Galilee that he's, he's getting into a boat and he's stating his purpose. He's stating his plan. <clears throat> Let us go across to the other side of the lake. Now, if this was any other person, this would simply be an idea and a plan that, that we will see if it can be executed. But for God, for Jesus, who is, is God incarnate, this is not just an, an idea or a suggestion or a possibility. This is a plan that he is setting in motion. And uh, the disciples, uh, they follow him onto the boat, and it says in verse 22 that so they set out. They follow and obey him. <clears throat> this, this is life right here. Uh, this, is, this is what we experience so often. Maybe you're a Christian, you've grown up in church, and you know what it is to, to follow Jesus. You, you read the Bible every day. You have your, your morning devotional. You, you follow God. You, you attend church, or <laughs> you watch church, as it were. You, you serve in the church. You give to uh, charities. You, you tithe. You do the things God says, do this, and you follow. God says, do that, and you follow. And everything seems like smooth sailing. The disciples, when they got on the boat, it it doesn't seem like they had an awareness of, or at least there's no stating of an awareness that that something stormy was about to happen. And what we often don't realize is, in those moments when things seem to go smoothly, a storm is brewing. And so it says in verse 23, so they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. So Jesus, he, he falls asleep in the middle of, of the, the trip. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were, were in danger. So we go from the plan to the storm. This is not, this is not a small storm. This is, this is a serious storm. And, and interestingly enough, in the midst of this, Jesus is asleep. He's so tired that he is sleeping in the midst of a crazy storm. And as a side note, this gives us a picture of the humanity of Christ. You know, sometimes I think when we read the Bible, we, we, we discount what he does and says, well, God could never allow me to do something like that because he's God. And yes, Jesus is God. But at the same time, we see that he is also completely and 100% human, that he needs rest, that he needs to, to sleep, that he is so tired in this moment. And, and perhaps there's a level of peace that that he has, but, but it's not just peace in this moment that is keeping him asleep in the midst of the, the, the rocking of the waves and the, the, the noise. He is, he's exhausted and he's sleeping. And they're having this storm. As I said, this is not just a little storm. This is not an April shower that, that it's there for, for 10 minutes and it's gone. It's, it's so much rain that it says that they were filling with water and were in danger. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on a boat or a canoe or you've ever done anything like that, but the general rule of boats is the water needs to stay outside of the boat. A, a boat that, that has water on the inside of it is either a submarine or it's uh, sunken. And either way, I'm not really interested in being on it. It's not a good thing. And so when Luke tells us that they were filling with water, he's saying that they were in real trouble. This isn't this isn't just a, a, a little rainstorm, a little, a little April shower, as I said. This is, this is life-threatening. 
they're, they're, you can imagine that they're, they're gathering things and throwing them off the boat. They're, they're trying to scoop the water out, and, and they're trying to figure out how to live in this situation. And it goes on to say that they were in danger. They were in real danger. And what's crazy is that Jesus brings them into this situation. Family, Christ does not promise to take us out of the storm. Now, he does promise to save us, and and sometimes that does appear to be taking us out of the storm. But over the length of your life, God will take you through storms. He won't just take you around storms, under, above, but he will take you through storms. He's taking them through a storm. The presence of trouble in your life is not necessarily an indication that God has left you. Now, if we find ourselves in trouble because of the sin that we've done, Perhaps that's a situation where, where we have brought ourselves into the storm, but oftentimes, whether it be health or relational challenges or, or turmoil in the nation, as we see, there are storms that God allows us to be brought into, whether through the means of other people in our lives or, or through nature or through, as I said, health in our body, but God will bring us into storms. And it may be the perfect storm that God has orchestrated so that you and I can see his miracle power. It's been said before, but it's worth mentioning again that oftentimes we want the miracle, but we don't want the circumstances around the miracle. We want to see God move in power, but we don't want to need God to move in power. They needed God to move in power. Christ doesn't necessarily promise to take us, out of the, uh, take us around the storm as much as he will take us through the storm. And in their panic, the disciples go to Jesus saying, Master, Master, we are perishing and, and he, he, he wakes up, but, but they freak out. They, they are upset, they're worried, they're concerned. They, they, are, they, are, they are on the, on the edge of, of, of death, it seems. Do you feel like you're perishing in this moment? Are, are the circumstances in your life pressing around you? Are they pressing against you? Do you feel like your boat is taking on water? You know, when you think about your life and, and, and you, you come to the end of your day, what is your assessment of the day? Are you, are you filled with anxiety and fear and worry? Are you fear, filled with, with pain and suffering and anguish? And, and you're looking at your life and you're, you're thinking, God, where are you? God, what are you doing in this moment? Jesus might just be setting you up to experience a miracle. So how does Jesus respond? Let's look at verses 24 and following. They said to him, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he woke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And they all ceased. And there was a calm. Jesus, in a moment, expresses his sovereignty. He expresses his power. He expresses his strength. And he shows them that they could have trusted him. They could trust him with this storm. They could trust him to, to bring them through the storm. We get not just a picture in this, in this story of, of, of Jesus' humanity, but we would get this amazing picture of his, his divinity, his power. If we were to go to Colossians, I almost preached on this text today, but, but I'll touch on it just briefly. Colossians chapter 1, Paul gives us this amazing picture of, of the the hugeness of God, 
the, the, cos, the cosmic power of Jesus. And it says in verses 16 and 17, talking about Jesus, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And in verse 17, it says this, and he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. So in this moment, they're, they're in this storm, they're, they're freaking out and Jesus is sleeping on the pillow and at the same time, he's holding all of creation together. I mean, this is, this is the crazy dichotomy of, of who Jesus is. He was, he was sustaining reality. He was sustaining the disciples who were coming to him fearful for their life. By his power, Jesus was keeping them together. And today, as, as we hear from the word of God, as you consider your challenges and your problems, you don't just run to a Jesus who can hear and, and, and listen to you like a kind counselor and give you good uh, advice. No, you are running to the God who is able to create creation, who's able to create reality, whose breath and life and thoughts maintain and sustain all of existence. I mean, just take a moment and realize that, that your problems, your life, your livelihood, it's sustained by the will of God. It's sustained by Jesus Christ. Your life is held together by Christ. Jesus is sovereign over all of it. He's sovereign over your dire circumstances, your pain, your relational struggles, your health struggles. He is sovereign over all of it. That is not to say that he is an author of evil, but it is to say that he is over all of these things. And so Jesus rebukes the storm. But not only that, he also addresses his disciples. He says in verse 25, where is your faith? And I don't think that he said it that way. I, if I had to guess, I'd, I, I don't know if he was disappointed or if he's, he was frustrated. But he says, where is your faith? The disciples had heard the plan. Even though the storm came, they had heard the plan. He said, let's go across to the other side. They had seen him do some things. They had seen him performed some miracles. They knew who he was to a certain degree, but, but they weren't quite connecting the dots. He, they, he says, where is your faith? And I, I, would, I would turn that question back to you, family. In the middle of your own storms, where is your faith? In the middle of the pain that you're experiencing, have you looked to Christ as a, as a last resort or, or are you trusting him through the storm? In, in Philippians, Paul tells us of this promise. He says, I am confident that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Are we in the middle of that process looking and saying, God, are you going to do it? Are you going to complete it? Are you going to finish it? Are you in the middle of the situation saying, God, where are you? And God's looking back and saying, where's your faith? Jesus says to them, where is your faith? And the disciples respond, it says that they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the waters to, and they obey him? They have two responses. First of all, there's, there's fear. And 
And in one sense, we want to say, oh, you don't want to fear Jesus. You don't want to fear God. But, but there's a healthy respect that we ought to have for the power of God. They have just experienced and, and witnessed the power of God. And, and they now have a healthy respect for Jesus that maybe they didn't have before. I remember when I was young, my dad, who always carried a pocket knife, uh, I, I really wanted to learn how to, how, to, how to whittle. If you don't know what that is, that's country talk for cutting a piece of wood with a knife and, and shaping it usually just into a little stick that you poke things on the ground with. And I just remember being a kid and, and wanting to, to whittle with a knife. And, and one day my dad uh, sat me down and, and he showed me the knife and, and he showed me that you want to cut away from yourself. You want to cut in front of your, you know, you don't want to cut around, <laughs> towards your hand. You want to cut away from your hand. And he was trying to instill within me a healthy respect for the power of that blade. And, and once I saw the power at work, I had a healthy respect for its ability to do things. And the disciples here, they had gotten a glimpse of God's power, uh, take the pocket knife to, to the nth degree. They had seen power. And so there was a proper response of fear. That is not to say that, that they were afraid of, of Jesus as though he was evil, but he was powerful. C.S. Lewis, in uh, his Chronicles of Narnia, he pictures Jesus as, as this lion named Aslan. And at one point, one of the children says, you know, is, is, is he safe? And the response is basically, he's, he's not a tame lion. He's a good lion, but he's not a tame lion. They respond in fear because he is, though he is a good savior, he is not a tame savior. Jesus is not about your agenda. He's not my, about my agenda. He is Lord, and we must submit to his agenda. And so they, they have a moment of fear. And when we're faced with the power of God and the reality that, that he may not be about my agenda, that he may not be the, the Republican uh, Jesus that, that we want to picture, he may not be the Democratic Jesus that we want to picture, he may not be the, you know, pick your... Your, your favorite whatever. He may not be that Jesus. He is his own Lord. And, and we are not to impose upon him. When we realize that, a certain level of awe and wonder ought to come upon us. He is Lord. They respond with fear and then they ask a good question. Who then is this? Who is this guy? Their, their schema has been broken. Their framework for understanding Jesus, it is now broken. He's not just this guy. He's not just a carpenter. He's not just a, a mason worker. He is, he's something different. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a, a philosopher. He's not just a, a prophetic uh, individual, but he has power over nature. He's got power over wind and water, and they obey him. Who is the, this guy? Jesus is giving them a glimpse into his divinity and power. And we see that, that Jesus takes them through the storm and at the same time, he challenges everything they understand about him. And today, I would, I would ask you, have you asked the question honestly? Have you, have you considered from scripture who Jesus is? Who is this man to you? In the middle of your storm, who do you understand Jesus to be? Is he, is he just some guy who's, who's going to 
beam you up out of your problems? Is, are you looking to him to be some sort of um, fire extinguisher? Or is he God, the one who sustains reality, the one who sustains your life, the one who orchestrates your life, the one who is sovereign over your life, the one who controls your life, the one whose, whose devotion uh, is, is the one who deserves your devotion? Who is Jesus? Is he a helpful teacher with important things to say to you or is, is he the Lord of the storm in your life? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are greater than our storms. Not just that you, you're with us in the middle of them, but you are sovereign over them. And so many of us are, are in the middle of some real stormy weather some things that we're trying to process and understand, God, what are you doing? And what is my proper response? God, I pray that you would give us a picture of Jesus Christ, an understanding of who your son is that is so expansive, so broad, so all-encompassing that we cannot help but put our faith in him. God, in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of this, this national upheaval and, and, and this tilling that you're doing, God, I pray that Jesus, you would, would show yourself to be bigger, more powerful, stronger than we've ever seen in the past. And I pray that we as, as a people would be able to be the kind of salt and light that show that God is great, that he is good, that, that you have something to bring to bear in our culture, that you have something to bring to bear in the lives of our community that you have something to bring to bear for those who are experiencing real pain and suffering, that you are with us in the midst of the storm. If you've never trusted in Jesus, if you've never believed or, or seen him to be the, not just a, a good teacher, but a God who saves, and today you want to trust him as the God who saves, please don't let this moment pass without responding. If you'd like to respond, just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I, I recognize that I need you. I turn away from everything that I know to be sin, to be disobedience to you, and I turn to you, and I want to follow you onto that boat, wherever it may take us. I want to follow you onto the boat, uh, recognizing that you may lead me into suffering. You may lead me into turmoil. You may lead me into the storm because I know that you are Savior and that you can protect me from it, that you can lead me through it, and that you are going to deliver me on the other side. If you did that, if you prayed that prayer, please let one of our hosts know in the chat. Please you know, raise your hand, do whatever you can do to let us know so that we can walk this uh, life of faith out with you. God, we pray that you would, you would help us to follow you more fully, trust you more deeply, love you more completely. Help us to love our community well, to love our neighbor. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, it is good to be with you, and I'm thankful for you. And, and I'm thankful that we have been working very hard over the last few weeks to care for our community well. It's our desire to be salt and light, to, to extend this kingdom, and part of that process has been in this season providing for the needs of, of people in our community. And so we've been taking up this offering over the last few, few weeks. It's been our benevolence offering, and it, and it has been the thing that has allowed us to provide food, um, 
for help with, with people in need of, of paying bills that they can't pay because they've been laid off, uh, paying for uh, toiletries and, and other needs, really meeting the needs of our, our community in the hopes that we might be able to address their spiritual need as well. And today I want to once again give you the opportunity to partake in this giving process, to be a part of the process of extending this kingdom by being generous with your resources so that we might be able to be salt and light in our community. If you'd like to give, you can do so uh, in the form of a check. You can write it out to Grace Covenant Church and write Sterling Benevolence in the memo and send it to our church office. Alternatively, you can you can go to our website, gracecov.org, and you can click the, the give button or you can give through our mobile app. Probably you can, you know, tie it to a cat and the cat will find us here, but that might not be the best way to do it. There are a number of different ways that you can do it, uh, but I just want to encourage you to give graciously because God has given graciously, graciously to you. Family, it is, it is time for us to, to close, and so I want to speak a blessing over your life. Now may the Lord, him, uh, Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen.